weather events, a consequence of climate change, are becoming more frequent and intense around the world. The key priority of the EU's Green Deal, which sets the block on the path to a green transition, is to mitigate the causes of climate change. However, EU members will also find themselves increasingly compelled to develop politics and strategies to help citizens adapt to its consequences. Heatwave and droughts lead to water shortages and forest fires, while heavy rainfall can bring about flooding and mighty storms. Both weather extremes have devastating economic, social and even psychological impact on affected regions. Climate distress and anxiety are an increasing phenomenon, as those whose livelihood depends on the land struggle to adjust to their changing environment. I'm Hermine Doncel and I'm back with a new episode of the Uranet Plus Green Deal podcast to discuss the EU's resilience strategy to deal with the consequences of extreme weather events, in particular with regard to water. The summer of 2022 was Europe's hottest summer on record, according to the Copernicus Climate Change Service. 2021, meanwhile, saw catastrophic flooding in countries such as Germany and Belgium. Lea Vranica, press officer at WWF Germany, makes a chilling observation about climate change after Germany's flood of the century in July 2021. We will experience floods, we'll experience droughts, we'll experience forest fires. We have to be prepared for that. Germany's temperature has already increased by 1.6 degrees. We're currently heading for an increase of 3, 4, 5 degrees. We're making parts of the planet uninhabitable. Although Europe is one of the biggest contributors to climate change, along with North America and China, our region has so far been relatively unaffected, as Andreas Piridonovas, a professor in Vilnius University's Faculty of Chemistry and Geosciences, tells our colleague Auguste Riberite from Ginura Diaz. But, he cautions, this will not last. Here, things will deteriorate, little by little, then more and more and more. The previous year and its climate will be seen as good compared to the years that follow, since the intensity of such phenomena is only set to increase. We're talking in decades here. Our hydrometeorologists can forecast what it's likely to look like, the phenomena that are likely to affect us. For instance, while the amount of precipitation may increase, the risk of droughts will also increase, so there will be a risk to agriculture. Until now, tornadoes have been rare in Europe, but in the years to come, even such phenomena, more characteristic of the North American plains, will become more frequent here. So it seems that there may be a rude awakening around the corner for Europe. You may remember Damien Mangon from a previous podcast episode. The 23-year-old student from Chaufontaine, one of the Belgian towns affected by the devastating floods of July 2021, was interviewed by our RTBF colleague Miriam Ball. He still has painful memories of finding himself alone in his house, surrounded by water. It left such a mark. Afterwards, I had to seek psychological help. I even saw psychologists specializing in post-traumatic stress to get over it, because just after the floods, 
I could hear my father's voice. I couldn't sleep. I lost about four kilos in one week and then gained 10 two weeks later. My whole metabolism, everything in my body went completely into a spin. And yes, at that moment, I said to myself, well, here it is, Damien. Everything you believed, your safety in relation to climate change. Well, that's wrong. It's all wrong. You're not safe. You could literally die overnight. And now is the time to act because there's no time left. Maybe there was 10 years ago, but not anymore. The time is now. Mongon's experience set him firmly on the path of climate activism. But fast forward one year, and according to the European Drought Observatory, which was established by the European Commission in 2008, the summer of 2022 saw Europe's worst drought in at least 500 years. Data from the Copernicus Emergency Management Service indicates that more than 425,000 hectares of EU land were destroyed in July and August 2022. Yet another, less than enviable record. Events of this type generate massive socio-economic losses, adding up to at least 500 billion euros of damage over the last 40 years in the EU alone. Droughts and water scarcity intensified by competition between agriculture, industry and other sectors, also serve to deepen the socio-demographic divide. In Italy and Portugal, around 60% of water usage is attributable to agriculture, a figure that rises to 72% in Spain and the whopping 80% in Greece. Even with such high water use, EU farmers, and not just those in the Mediterranean region, are already grappling with impoverished soils. The soils store, drain and filter water less efficiently, erode more rapidly, contain less organic matter and produce lower quality crops. It is therefore more pressing than ever for farmers to rethink the way they use water. Micro-irrigation and drip irrigation are among the most efficient crop watering methods, reaching around 90% efficiency. Even the very best sprinkler systems waste some 20-30% of the water they use, while many other popular irrigation systems are far less efficient than this. Sandro Bambini is an apple farmer and the president of the Sponda Soliva Irrigation Consortium, which was founded in the 1970s in Italy. The consortium manages irrigation for the farmers of seven municipalities in northern Italy, and seeks to put its irrigation system through a variety of economic, social and environmental purposes, including electricity generation. Bambini tells Radio 24's Giulia Cannizzaro that the consortium's priority over the next few years is to move towards a drip irrigation. The idea was The idea of the consortium stemmed from the Mountain Catchment Basin, or BIM, of which there are many, at the request of farmers. It's not small by any means. It covers 1,760 irrigated hectares with 2,400 kilometers of piping of various types. At the time it was founded, they were very far-sighted, because it's very large covering seven municipalities and several thousand square kilometers. And why was it needed? Well, surface flow irrigation was no longer sufficient. It was not manageable even back then. It involves a significant use of water. Even back then, sprinkler irrigation saved money, causing less wastage and being more precise. The next step, which was launched by the consortium three years ago when I took office, 
is to start the conversion to drip irrigation. This will be possible over the next three years, thanks to the regional funding given to the mountain communities. Bambini adds that foresight is everything if the farming industry is to survive climate change. You have to prepare in advance. If you don't, it's very difficult to react in the short term. I've experienced this myself in terms of irrigation. It was too difficult to modify our system, because that requires investment and time. When it comes to hailstorms, if you have set up nets in advance, you can solve the problem. Otherwise, you can't. So you need a little bit of foresight and advanced preparation. An agricultural company needs to foresee where the climate is going and prepare for it. Better management of national water resources is also necessary, something that Poland, for one, is acutely aware of as it works to increase its water storage facilities. The country's Minister of Infrastructure, Marek Grubarczyk, is talking to Kasia Seman at Polskie Radio. The system we hope to build must function in a complementary way and provide for any eventuality. It's a program to raise the amount of water stored in Poland from the current 7% to 15%. So the whole investment package relates to the construction of reservoirs, large and small, as well as to agricultural improvements in terms of valley and channels drainage. We need to complete this investment next year, which shows it's a priority investment. The whole project is scheduled to complete in 2027 at a total cost of 10 billion zlotys. Of course, we must meet all the necessary criteria, in particular those related to environmental impact reports. But the bloc's water resources require better coordination at EU level too. Yes, droughts and water scarcity feature prominently in the EU's climate change adaptation strategy with a focus on bringing about systemic change and promoting nature-based solution to climate-related impacts. And yes, there is also a European Drought Observatory for Resilience and Adaptation project to improve drought risk assessment, gather data on impacts in different sectors and foster the establishment of and communication between drought observatories in member states. But despite the considerable social, environmental and economic damage wrought by droughts over recent decades, they continue to be treated as a crisis rather than as a long-term problem, for which long-term, sustainable and systemic means of water preservation should be found. Not only will this require the harmonization of all relevant policies, but also increased funds, as Romanian MEP Eugen Tomek underlines in an interview with Radio Romania's Dan Horea. There are two important points that I want to highlight. The first is the legal framework that exists and that the European Union is continually improving through new strategies following studies carried out by experts. On the other hand, it's clear that these policies cannot be implemented without resources. The EU provides funds to ensure that water quality is upheld, but the policies are implemented by member states. Unfortunately, we have not had the administrative capacity to make the best use of all the levers we have at our disposal in terms of water protection policies. Several member states have recently approached the Council with a request for a stronger response to drought. They are demanding a renewed approach to drought management at EU level, addressing the full cycle from planning and prevention to implementation. Slovenia is an active proponent of this initiative, yet Polona Pengal 
from the Slovenian Association for Water Protection, says that Slovenia scores quite badly itself in terms of water management. Pengel explains her point of view to Lidia's RTV Slovenia. We're still not thinking in terms of adaptation, but in terms of control. And these concepts are diametrically opposed. We should be adapting ourselves to the givens of nature. This is particularly evident when it comes to managing the harmful consequences of floods, as the measures are officially described, although in reality they are anti-flood measures. We turn natural riverbeds into drainage channels, restrict them and disable natural river processes, thereby destroying biodiversity and reducing the ability of river ecosystems to themselves adapt to changes and to protect us at the same time. The association is convinced that if Slovenia continues down this road, the country can only expect even greater consequence of climate change in the future. And indeed, the same can be said for the rest of us in the EU. Thanks for listening. We meet again soon for another episode of our Green Deal podcast. Bye.